The Birth Circle podcast features experts in all the nuanced areas of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum with the aim of helping women make the choices that will keep them safe, healthy, and empowered. We respect all birth choices and believe in supporting informed consent and evidence-based practices. Nothing said on this podcast should be taken as medical advice. You should always seek the advice of a competent professional for your care. Welcome to the Birth Circle podcast. This is Sarah with The Birth Circle, and today we have John. John's a local businessman and awesome entrepreneur, and he's here to share some stories about uh, the the father side of the whole procreation uh, experience. Just, just a warning, though, we are going to go pretty deep, so if you like to listen to this podcast with little ears, this may not be the best one to listen to around the kids hint, in your hint. carpool on the way to school. <laughs> Throw in some Looney Tunes or something else, guys. This is going to get a little more graphic. And today we're going to talk about some reproductive issues. Issues. <laughs> from the dad's side. So, John, tell me your story. Yeah, so my story is is mostly my wife's story. Um, but I think it really comes together with, with both of us because it definitely involves both of us. So um, when I was a young kid, uh, about seven years old, um, I got very sick. I had um, a fever of 107. Whoa. Yeah, and I hallucinated. It was horrifying for a seven-year-old. You remember this? I do. Wow. I, uh, I remember pieces of it anyway. I remember seeing things that weren't there, um, which was a little more than my imagination, right? And then I remember my dad taking me and putting me in an ice bath because he wanted to cool me down as quick as he possibly could because I was seeing things. Um, so because of that, um, my likelihood of being able to have kids went way, way, way down. It fried me up pretty good. Wow. So um, fast forward about uh, 15, 17 years or so, um, I meet my wife. We date for a long time. And we taught one of the things that initially drew me to her was the fact that um, Eve, uh, how should I say this? She was already planning when she ever, if she ever got married to adopt. Mm. And that was something that I felt very strongly about. So um, when we got married, it was already in our minds of not like, oh, cool, let's, we should adopt to be something great, noble, cool, awesome thing. To me, it was just, that's, that's how I'm going to get my kid. That's the path mm. I'm going to go down. And she wasn't afraid of or worried about it. But the interesting part that came about from there as we, you know, wanted to be married for a couple of years before we started the adoption process, which we're in the middle of right now, is, um, as we got married, we had some very, um, for lack of a better word, interesting and difficult, um, sexual issues that mm. made things very, very difficult for us for the first, uh, at least first three years of our marriage. We married a little bit over four years now and things have just, just started to get better here in the, in the four year range. So were these issues you knew you had or this mm, as a no couple idea. you, you were? I had no idea. Um, so we were, I was a virgin until I got married. So was my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we got married, you know, you, you get the whole, you know, birds and the bees, sit down, talk right before you get married. You know, it's going to be a little painful for her. Please be gentle and understanding. Um, make sure you can laugh with each other while you have sex. Um, just the, that kind of stuff. Don't worry about it. Don't try to come the first time. These kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had that, you know, it was uncomfortable for her. But we had an interesting issue where I couldn't um, penetrate my wife. Mm. Um I went, we went and we're like, okay, maybe it's just the first couple of times. I was going to say, isn't that kind of normal? Yeah, the first, first time, kind of normal first you know? time. So it wasn't, we didn't think about too much about it. In fact, we didn't think much about it for the first six months. I th- oh, that's a little long. <laughs> it was a little long. And then we started wondering, is there something going on here? 
Um, so we talked to some people, um, talked to parents, you know, maybe like my mom has had nine children. Um, her mom has had uh, eight children. So there, there's a lot of children all over the place here. So we could ask, you know, moms and parents. So somebody's and getting the bio and somebody's getting the mechanics right. Right. Somebody, <laughs> I mean, there's somebody's not having this issue. Maybe it's just something's going on. So we went and did that and they said, no, like you should be good. Like maybe you need to push a little harder. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we tried that. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> it was pr- one of the worst experiences of my entire marriage. Um, so we went to, um, so I tried to push a little harder and she said, okay, let's try to push a little harder. Um, try to make her more comfortable, make sure that she's orgasmed once or twice before I try to go into my wife. Uh, again, holding no back, no, no details yeah, hold back here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we probably should have put a disclaimer on the beginning that <laughs> if you like to listen to this podcast with young children around, maybe not this, maybe not this, maybe not this episode. episode. But, but why I wanted to bring you on is because um, you're willing to be so open and honest mm-hmm. about your story and, and have the dad's perspective, the yeah. male perspective on, on the reproductive mechanics, I think yeah. is really valu- valuable. I hope so. I think it's, at least for a guy during this period, right, myself, I mean... I'm a, you know, at this point, I'm a 24, 25 year old, extremely horny kid. And, but at the same time, I want to appreciate my wife and yeah. I don't want to hurt my wife. And so it's very, very difficult. Um, I don't want to hurt her. I care for her. But I, at the same, at the same time, is there something wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Is there something going on here? Um, so I tried, we tried to push harder. And um, I remember we're in the moment and I get about maybe a third of the way in. Um, on me, right? And my wife pulls my head down and I thought maybe she's enjoying this, maybe mm. something is going well. And um, I try to push a little bit harder and I pull my head back and my wife is weeping. Oh. She's in so much pain. Mm-hmm. And I slowly pulled out and I held, and I held her and we cried together of, I, I felt so bad. I felt bad for months because I, I hurt my wife. Um. So we went and got things checked. Um, so we found out two things. Um, we found out that uh, Christine, my wife, um, has something called vaginismus. And we found out that at the same time on top of that is I was, a, a, for her and for someone, I may be considered somewhat large. And those two things combined can mm-hmm. be extremely painful. Um, not just, I mean, it's not, cause some people really think, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys, particularly guys my age, you know, want to be this big, strong guy, want to be, you know, the guy, the big thing in the pants. That's so awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't. Mm-mm. In fact, it was a thing that hurt our relationship. So what, what is this diagnosis? What does it mean? So vaginismus is, um, considered somewhat of a mental thing. Basically what happens is it's a uh, reaction for your woman's vagina to tighten and clamp up to keep out bacterial or from something happening to it. It's a defensive mechanism. Okay. So every woman has this. Every woman has this. However, some women, when they start trying to have sex or when they have sex, some women for years, even sometimes after they've just had become pregnant and after they have, have, they have the child, they'll give vaginismus where their body will try to protect itself and it will clamp down. And it will keep anything. This is completely involuntary. Like you can't meditate yourself out of it, or you can't really. You can't do anything. You can brush your finger across the top, and it will seal right up. Ooh! It doesn't want anything to get inside. It's it's to protect itself against bacteria a lot of the time. So this is a this is a neurological. Like this Mm -hmm. is a 
I'm, so when you say mental, it's like not a crazy, not a crazy <laughs> no, no, no. thing, but it's just it's just a, a neurological, it's a nerve type thing. Yeah, and again, this is not something like my wife's afraid, my wife's worried. This is not something that my my, my wife and I experienced the first six months of being afraid or worried or anything like that. When yes, when she felt pain, then she got worried, and we just kept away from that, and they would always please my wife. However, it's um, a lot of some women will experience this after they get pregnant. Their body's trying to defend itself because we've just been through a weekend state, and now it wants to protect itself now. Or sometimes when that experience sexual, uh, how, like rape or anything like mm-hmm. that. That was my question. Is yeah, if it... Nothing like that in my wife's history. Nothing mm. at all. And so um, a lot of women that experience this have um, extreme difficulty putting in tampons for their whole life. So my wife thought that she was just a weenie for a lot of her life because she <laughs> hates tampons. Don't play on words at all. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and so that's something she's always had to deal with. But, you know... Take that and then add, you know, pressure. Yeah. And then ta- add pressure of then trying, you know, movement. And mm-hmm. there's all these new things that come into play when you start having sex. And it's extremely painful. And so you can't just, you know, breathe it away or, you know, think happy thoughts. And it's not that she's not un- like uh, not attracted to me or anything she wants. She, yeah. she, constantly, she felt for a while that she was broken. And that was really hurtful, right? Because she's like, why? She asked herself for almost a year, she said, when I talked to her about this yesterday, why am I not good enough? Why can't I please my husband? Why can't I do this? Why is it so painful? Is it this painful for other women? Why can't I just push through it, you know? I I think it's ridiculous that I had never heard of this condition until I talked to you. <laughs> you would think that as girls, we would be more open about talking about, you know, mechanics down there. And we are a little bit. I mean, yeah. Um, I've been to many, many births and, and people are very open with me, but to talk about sexual dysfunction and then realize it's not actually what well, is in your head, but not really in your head. Yeah. That's, I mean, <laughs> I can't see y'all out there, but raise your hand if you'd ever heard of this. I mean, I just... Yeah. And so what's the prognosis? I mean, what is the treatment? What it, what can... Yeah. So <laughs> if it's vaginismus, so there are issues, there are other issues, I guess, where... You, um, people can have a small tight vagina. Now, I'm not a vagina expert. I'm an expert on my wife's vagina. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> but overall, I just know what the doctors told me. Mm-hmm. So if it wasn't vaginismus, what they normally recommend doing is just getting, you know, something to slowly widen your vagina over time, just something to kind of stretch it out and get used to a penis going inside. Um, with vaginismus, it's, again, really important to make sure um, she's satisfied beforehand to loosen up and get as much lubrication as possible, mm-hmm. um, extra lubrication. And then... Um, Trying little, again, little by little over time. This is something that can be solved over time. Now, we've been married about four years, and now I can get myself about halfway in there comfortably. Mm -hmm. We don't push beyond that. We go to how comfortable she is. Now, if we can go a little beyond that, when she feels more comfortable, and usually what she'll tell me is um, she tries to pay attention more to the tightness. Mm -hmm. If she she feels very, very tight um, with her or if I feel it, we we make sure we communicate Mm -hmm. immediately. We don't want any tearing. That's an easy no. issue to happen right oh, there. We don't goodness. want to have any tearing. Mm-mm. And that's what we were worried about the first time when she put, pulled my head down, right? And so we want to make sure there's no tearing. So just, again, slowly over over time, these things will work themselves out. It's like it's like a, a when you've ever had like a bad knot in your back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Except imagine this knot comes in every time you start trying mm-hmm. to put something in there. So you're just teaching it slowly over time that it has to kind of mm-hmm. fade away again. But it's also very much on how she feels. Mm-hmm. She needs to be very, very well herself. Kegel exercises help. 
So doing exercises down below or like where your he explained it to my wife, like uh, squeezing your sphincter when you're mm-hmm. need to pee and doing those exercises do help. So you have a little more control. Interesting. But it's, again, it's it, because it's neurological, because it's something in her head, it's something that will slowly work itself out when you start telling yourself. It has to be something fairly regular. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone, every couple has the amount of time they feel comfortable, mm-hmm. you know, having sex or feel or have that have that drive. When you find that pattern or when you find that thing, you just simply, you know, take your time. And the biggest thing that I think that helped us really was understanding that I have no plans ever to go anywhere. Yeah. I'm going to be with my wife for forever. Yeah. And so if this isn't happening over the next four more years, I'm still there. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. I just also want to bring in um, another condition. So this is mm-hmm. basically you're born with this. This is something mm-hmm. that you, this is your program. This is how you are. So vaginismus is something that you're born with or, you know, that, it's, in that is, yeah. it's, it's in your head. But have you ever heard of the honeymoon stitch? The only reason I've heard of the honeymoon stitch is because of Joe Rogan and his stand-up talked a little bit about oh, it. Oh, no, really? In a stand-up? <laughs> I haven't seen that one. Yeah. Oh, dear. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of women don't understand what this is, but uh-huh. typically it's um, when the doctor or the midwife is sewing up after a tear, they will sew a little tighter. And the idea is that um, to put you back, you know, how you were when you were a virgin and to give your partner a little bit more pleasure. Ah. Aha. Mm-hmm. But see, it doesn't really give that much pleasure. <laughs> It's actually excruciating and the scar tissue is a little different than, than natural tissue. And so, um, talk, uh, you've already, you've already talked about this a little bit about Mm -hmm. you're not going anywhere, but, um, you could either be born with this or this could be happened upon you after, after a birth. And so if this happens upon you, what advice could you give to the mom, um, and also the dad, because... Sometimes relationships can be completely destroyed by this. Absolutely. Because you've had you have great sex and then yep. all through pregnancy you have great sex and then yep. after pregnancy you have the postpartum mm-hmm. crazy pants. And then you also then can't please your husband, which is a thing. A thing. Yeah. And I think it's I think that's a good thing. You want to be able to please your spouse. Mm-hmm. That's important. Um, there are new, the one thing that's kind of hard, I think for people like myself who wait until marriage to have sex for the first time is that you've now added an entirely new element to the relationship. You had an emotional thing before you had maybe perhaps had a spiritual thing before, and now you're adding not just a physical thing, but you're adding a spiritual thing to it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's and, another layer of spirituality. Yeah. No. And then on top of that sexual, you've never had that really before. I mean, especially if you waited till marriage, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think, at least from my experience, if I were to speak to people who've had that similar types of issues, I can mostly approach it from the guy's side. I, my wife could definitely speak more to, you know, um, wanting to please your spouse, but going through pain. And I think that's what us guys have to understand. Yes. Um, I consider myself somewhat of a, a, a masculine guy. I'm not, you know, what you guys consider a beta male. I'm not some white knight guy. I probably curse a little too much and <laughs> I'm... So how much noise does your motorcycle make? That's the it question. It doesn't make... I oh, have okay. a motorcycle, <laughs> but I have a skateboard and that's cool <laughs> enough. <laughs> but understanding your wife's pain, understanding what and trying to relate to that is important. It's... And if, and if you're that big of a for lack of a better term, a douche, a dick, an mm-hmm. asshole, to not understand that she is not only uncomfortable, but she's really trying hard for you right now, then you don't deserve to be in that relationship in the first place. Yeah. 
it's so if I were to give any tips, work out or go find a physical thing that you can do to get your energy out. Um, do not get into porn. Mm -hmm. That's a really, really easy escape. Mm -hmm. I mean, there have been times where I not viewing porn, but masturbate because I need to get something out. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was hard, and we had to work the work out a way to well, yeah, figure that out. Well, yeah, because first of all, she's not pleasing you, and yep. then if you get into porn and you get, then something something else is pleasing you. Yep. So not only is she not performing, but she oh my goodness, it's all sorts of head it's, mess. Yeah, and as a guy, you have that drive, and that drive doesn't just go away. No, you can't just shove it with us. No, mm -mm. no, and it and it, you shouldn't. Mm -mm. So you need to get it out, and you need to get uh, you need you need a couple of outlets, and so the outlets that I use, for example is I went out and I was always doing, I had to go do something, whether it was trying to do something silly on my longboard or my bicycle. I learned how to ride on the back, back two wheels of my skateboard when we, my wife and I lived in Korea. Mm -hmm. um, I want, I needed something to go, out, go and do and I could fall down and hurt myself and get some adrenaline moving and get some energy out. Um, just, and it was something fun that I could do. Another thing that I think is really important is understand there are other ways to please your wife. Mm -hmm. um, learn that. You should, we really believe my wife and I in becoming an expert in your spouse. You go to mm. school, say for a PhD and you go to school for eight to, you know, 12 years or however long, and you become an expert in an, in, in a subject. If you're married to your spouse for 12 years, you should be an expert in your spouse. Yeah. You should know what pleases your spouse. You should know what pisses them off. Well, but in the sexual realm, I mean, we can duke it out financially talking about finances or, or the things yeah. but to talk, even, even talking about sex in a, in a marriage that's decades long is yeah. so difficult sometimes. Mm -hmm. We just don't even have that. I mean, I didn't even have that word until yeah. today. Like, how do you describe what you're feeling? Mm -hmm. And there's so much, there's still so much shame surrounding. There is. And there shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. You need to get that, uh, you need to get that shame out of the way. And you need to communicate as a guy to your wife, honey, I'm insanely horny right now. I want you. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Uh, there would be a lot of people I think that would say, well, you're just sexually repressing yourself and how dare you do that to yourself no. live and be free and, and do you know satisfy yourself you deserve to be satisfied so. i don't believe people deserve anything <laughs> i really don't mm -hmm. um i the, not the way i grew up i grew up you know boiling my own bath water I had a very rough childhood when it came to work and finances and i don't believe people deserve anything but i think what you what, if anyone deserves anything your spouse deserves your best and so you need to communicate when you're crazy insane horny you need to tell your wife. She can help you out with that. There's mm -hmm. other things you can do. Yeah. And so you guys have gotten wants creative. To. More we got, we got a little yeah. more. We got a little more creative. We've got, we become insanely good communicators. Mm. I would say beyond that, I can, I can please my wife. I think fairly, that fairly might decently. Be better than sex for a lot of women. <laughs> well, give you an idea, right? We are talking about there's about something like fifty some percent of women who don't experience X type of orgasm, right? Mm -hmm. um, my wife orgasms more than I knew, I do now during sex. Because? Because I had to pay attention for the first four years of marriage to make sure my wife was also satisfied. Okay. So what did your wife, was there anything that your wife said that kind of uh, put the lights on for you in, in mm -hmm. how, because again, women don't always know how to communicate our sexuality. So if she's orgasming that many times in that way, mm -hmm. was it her teaching you? Or was it you? Like, how did that? It was. Happen? It was a little bit of both. So she had one communicate that to one communicate that to me. This feels good. This doesn't. And then the second thing is, that really really helped is I want like I wanted to understand how to make my, please my wife. There's a great there's a great book for uh, four hour body um, by Tim Ferriss has a chapter on the uh, woman's orgasm, just technical things how it works. 
Ooh. And I read it just because I wanted to understand and under the knowledge really there is power. And then understanding that my wife is, it's not for me, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty centralized pleasure. Not for my wife. I can do, I can touch my wife. I can kiss my wife in a way that makes her feel safe and feel loved. And then I can also get her really, really excited. And that's communicate. That's come through years of communication mm-hmm. and me putting her first because I know she's trying to put me first. And I think when you start losing each other and you trying to please yourself, when you become selfish, uh-huh. that's a big downhill step for go. I mean, I can't imagine what it's like for people who have this type of issue in the middle of their marriage. Luckily, I had it in the beginning where I was, you know, all Twitter paid with my new wife. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. So the honeymoon stitch that right after a baby's born, that's, yes. that's can break a marriage. Yeah, because you yeah, went through all these years mm-hmm. or however long of, you yeah. know, having this type of sexual relationship. And now, dude, you need to ha- figure it and change it the hell up. Well, I think sexuality is, sorry, sexual yeah. relationships change after the birth of baby, no matter what. You're, I they do, especially yeah. vaginally, mm-hmm. um, because things are changing down there. <laughs> so you got to, you got to figure it out. If you don't have that open communication, if you don't have that trust in your relationship before mm-hmm. the baby's come before he the baby has come then you're going to have a hard time yeah, afterwards absolutely wow so how does um this affect a woman's ability to get pregnant if you were able to get pregnant right so the way this really affects women the way to get pregnant as far as i understand it is right is one to be able to get in there is one of the things you have to be able to do to you know get that semen to fertilize the egg um and usually the deeper ish you can go the better right um unless you have like something like a splash pregnancy <laughs> oh my gosh, I never heard that term. Okay, thank you. <laughs> you heard of splash pregnancy? Oh, I've had a fr- that's I have so a friend great. who had a splash pregnancy. Yeah. Guys, pull out and pray is not a birth control <laughs> method. Don't do not do that. If you're listening to this and you're like, well, he just pulls out at the last second. That it, That's not how it works. <laughs> that's not how it works. Uh-uh. <laughs> oh dear. Okay, splash pregnancy. So you could have a splash pregnancy, which is somewhat difficult. Very difficult. Uh-huh. Very, very rare. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> But it, it just makes it a little bit harder, right? Because you need to be able to get that downwind. Uh, <laughs> so we bas- basically, it just makes it a little more difficult to get, get down there. And it's not too much crazier. But again, it's a pain thing. So how often are you mm-hmm. going to want to put things down there? Yeah. So then what about during labor? Is she able to dilate? Is she able to have a she's baby? Able, she's able to dilate. It's the most, they recommend C-sections. Yeah. So if this is a diagnosis. Yeah. And then, but you can do it. It's just excruciatingly painful. Well, I'm just wondering if biologically. <laughs> biologically, um, you'd probably do a lot more tears and damage. You think? I, I would, I would imagine so. Um, Again, it's because it's a neurological thing and it's usually protecting things from the outside coming in. It may be just fine That's if it's outside coming, coming out. Inside coming out. So how did you get the so what is a woman looking for if she wants to be diagnosed? Like what is Yeah. So um, definitely what I would recommend doing if you think you have vaginismus or something along these lines is one, as silly as it is, ask your friend group. Um, mm. I, my wife was really surprised when she went and you know, was talking to her friends. They'd mentioned like, man, I had a lot of pain for a while. Or when my sister or somebody got married, they're like, you know, I've had pain for the, this amount of time. My wife is the first person to say, have you got that checked yet? Mm. Why are you embarrassed to be in pain? If you're in pain, go get it checked out. The worst thing the doctor's going to well, say is you're a little tight. Yeah. Or you can push through this, you're okay. But the doctor also can tell you, hey, you might have this thing that causes you a lot of pain and can change your whole relationship with your husband. I wonder how many doctors, OBs know about this I or know. if it's just a shame thing. I just thing know or ours a... was awesome. Oh, okay. Yeah. And the worst thing they can do is not to, is if, if they can't diagnose it right away, but what's the worst thing that could happen if you go to get checked out, you know something now? 
So don't be afraid. If you're in pain, express that to your spouse, work through to make sure you guys are understanding of each other and then get it checked out. Mm-hmm. You Maybe you need to be able to dilate it a little bit more. Get, get sizers. That could be a thing that could, do, could make your relationship a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, if we could have fixed it, you know, year one, we would have. And yeah, That's for not sure. a bad thing to get fixed. Yeah. Um, if we could have, you know, meditated away, we would have. <laughs> yeah. You would have done anything it took. <laughs> yeah. It would have been good for both of us. She would have felt a little more complete and I would have been able to pleasure myself a little bit earlier. But I'm happy it happened the way it did because now I know how to pleasure my wife. I'm re- we are very, very good at communicating. Like there's a lot more talking that goes on during when we have sex. <laughs> but the uh, again, if you think you have something like that, get it checked out earlier on than later. Mm-hmm. Um, guys, if you're the one of the 12% of men who decide to listen to this birth podcast. <laughs> Woo-hoo! Yeah, guys... First off, good job. Very proud of <laughs> yes, you. Yes, very proud of you. Very, very proud of you. However, um, do not fall into the trap of thinking you're big stuff because your wife is having to eek a little bit. Yeah, that's not cool. That does not make you more manly. <laughs> no, I, and I and I can see why some guys give in to it. Oh, you know, like if you listen to like, you know, the fir- first line of one of Macklemore's most famous songs, I say, yo, yo, what's up? I got a big cock. And something saying like that is it's like, it's bringing on this thing that women actually don't care about. Do you know who actually cares? And this is a weird thing that I researched because I was kind of curious. I, I looked things up. The people who care about penis size in the world, do you know who the number one group is? White males? Homosexual males. Oh, <laughs> okay. Then it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. So unless you're a gay dude, that's fine. Then yeah. you can care about that. You can care about that. The people who care about the next group, straight males. And then straight women. So guys, we care more about this than women do. <laughs> There's a lot of things that women care that guys don't really care about. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. So just understand who actually cares yep. about this situation. And then understand that uh, you don't be selfish. Yeah, don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. And don't push past mm-hmm. if it's going to, because you're trying to be selfish. I believe, um, so my my father, um, awesome guy. Awesome, awesome guy. Um, very From a very young age, drilled into my head what it means to be a man. And I think we've lost that a little bit in our society. Mm-hmm. I think what it means to be a man is a man or a woman cares more about other people, works and labors for other people more than they do for themselves. A child does what feels good. A child does things for themselves. A child wants to have fun and play around. Adults and men and women can play around, but before they worry about themselves, they Mm -hmm. worry about their spouse, their family, their friends, whatever it Mm -hmm. is. I know six-year-old men and I know 50-year-old children. Yeah. And so don't be a child, man up (laughs) and be a man care about your wife, mm-hmm. care about your children, care about her pleasure before yours. And it will do wonders to your relationship. Awesome. That is profound advice. Thank you. I'm a very profound person. <laughs> of course. So um, tell us uh, more about how you are going to transition into being parents. What's your journey like? Yes. So with... we're working on an adoption for, for a little girl in India. Um, we then Interesting. So we're uh, there's a pro- there's a big process, and every country has their own process, and every state has their own rules, and so it's very convoluted. So every we're right now in Utah, Utah has their own rules, and then each country that we're adopting from has their own mm-hmm. rules. So basically, how our works is kind of like a have these have these kind of a deal. So we complete our paperwork, our tests. You know, people interview us and say like, you know, why are you wanting to adopt? Be like, 
Well, because we felt like we should since we were young children or what have you, right? Mm -hmm. And then once we complete our side of the paperwork and do our home study and things like that, then we send paperwork off to get approved. They approve it and they send it to India. And then India just takes whatever time they want to take and get, and then, you send, then you send, they send you back two pictures and you go eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Wow. Okay. What if you want them both? <laughs> You have to go get one and then the other. I would totally, wow. if they, we, we told yeah. if there was a sibling, we would take the sibling as well. You yeah, know, or a set of twins. Yeah, exactly. So why India? Um, we put down, basically what we did is we took down a list of where we, where we thought um, we would like to adopt from. We made a, a list uh, and then we basically, as kind of corny as this is, we prayed over this list over mm -hmm. a period of years. And then um, one day... I was, um, and we, t we talk about it, you know, like what kind of, what kind of, uh, situation do we want to put ourselves in financially? Cause having, adopting a kid is expensive and kind of pair, paired that up. And my wife and I were talking and I had this, the weirdest, weirdest dream one day. And I had this dream where I woke up in my bed and I started looking around for something. My wife was like, what are you doing? And I was like, Inori, where'd you go? Do you take her to the other room? And she's like, what are you talking about? And I noticed that I had been dreaming. In my dream, I was playing with this little tiny brown baby. And she was the smiliest little thing. And she had this little darkish, blackish, curlyish hair. And these big old chubby cheeks. And she was probably almost a year old. And I uh, was playing with her and I was in bed. So I probably fell asleep. And I woke up, thought, you know, I had just fell asleep. I didn't want the baby to fall off the bed. And that was the, when I woke up and when I, my wife told me, what are you doing? And I noticed it was a dream. I had, I felt like I was, how should I explain? I missed that kid. Oh, wow. Like I knew her. Mm -hmm. And so I told my wife and we looked at our little list and the only place where you get little brown babies and the only place where little girls are <laughs> needed to be really adopted from in these places, one of the major places is India. And it clicked for both of us. We're like, okay, India it is. Let's go. Cool. And that's how we figured out one of the reasons we want to name our daughter that. Ino What's her name? Inori. Ooh, that's pretty. What does it mean? It means prayer in Japanese. Oh, that's mm -hmm. beautiful. Thank you. Very cool. And so we're, that's, that's where we started our process in our half. We'd have to do some interviews and send some paperwork off. And then we just wait for India to figure their shiz out and get, get back to us. Cool. And then we will be, you know, two awkwardly white parents. <laughs> 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 navigating the world of, of an <laughs> cross cultural of, uh, adoption. <laughs> yes, being what is it? I think they're calling it transracial adoption now. Mm. Funny little names, I don't know. But it's going to be a, a new experience for us all over. So very cool. Yeah. Okay, so again, more personal. I, mean, I don't know, know how we could get yeah. more personal on a national podcast, but um, can you tell me? So you've decided, your wife and you have decided not to conceive, yep. whether by a sperm donor or. Yep. So you've decided to adopt. We have. And what led you to that decision? Um, one of the experience I had when I was a kid um, makes it difficult. Likelihood for me to be able to go have children is low. Mm -hmm. And then my wife's uh, vagina space makes it difficult for us to have children that way. Mm -hmm. um, so there's difficulty there. But at the same time, we both felt from a young age that we wanted to adopt children. Um, particularly for some reason, we wanted to adopt a child from somewhere else. Um, we, my wife and I have traveled a lot. We really enjoy traveling. Um, my background in work before I started my company was in linguistics and language. Oh, I wow. did Japanese and Korean stuff. Um, so we like traveling abroad and we want to do something that was a little more, you know, world oriented. 
So um, that kind of followed along with our goals, and we both we, we were both religious people, so we decided to pray about it, and that's what we decide the path to go down for us. And I think it's very very personal. Some people want to you know have want to go and adopt. Some people would really love to you know do the sperm, uh, get a sperm donor, what have you. That's completely fine. I find it interesting that out of the people that we meant that we talk to, that are that uh, know about adoption, women are a lot more accepting than the guys have been. Guys more like want their seed to carry right, on, right. which I thought was mm-hmm. so weird. I'm like, dude, your your donation took like 15 minutes. <laughs> like, like the girl has like has a physical connection to this child for like nine months, uh-huh. ten months almost, right? And so like, dude, you put headphones on her belly. That's about as much as you've done for this relationship. Yep. <laughs> like, I've had I had someone mention that um, that men who are willing to adopt somebody else's baby, especially Uh from another race, those are the kindest men. And I thought, that's that's an interesting thought. Yeah. Just, I mean, it goes, I have a lot of thoughts of, you know, it's it's a pretty narrow statement, but at the same time, it it does say something. If if that's culturally what you're saying is men men have a hard time accepting another one's seed. (laughs) Yeah. It's, I I could see, I guess, a little bit about where they're coming, coming from. I think, you know, We've worked this idea. So I don't believe in the idea of toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. I don't. Um, I believe that ma- true. I believe there's true masculinity and there's faux masculinity. And I think faux masculinity leads you to believe that if it's not something selfish, if it's not something of yours, then you can't be proud of it. That child's life isn't about me. Yeah. My purpose as a parent will be to do the best I can to raise my child to be a well-functioning human being who can handle herself in the world, mm-hmm. that's my job is to be caring and protective. Mm-hmm. To if so, My job is to hold the shotgun when my, child, when my child's boyfriend comes to the door. That's my job. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I see my job as a parent is like, I'm the tour guide. I tell my kids, I just, the, there's no difference between me and you. The only yeah. difference is I got this whole earth thing down a little bit I've had a little Longer more experience than you. than you have had, child. Yeah, so just just trust me on this one, girlfriend. Like, I, I promise that, that it'll turn out okay. And that has changed the way, I mean, for sure I parent differently than than yeah. our generation was parented mm-hmm. because I'm trying to give my my kids the, um, the confidence that they are as cool as their parents, just a little younger, a little less... A yeah. little less experienced, a little less... <laughs> it's wisdom. It's, right. And right. I think it helps too when I make mistakes because the kids can see yeah. I'm not... Perfect, and I think it's I think it's important to be able to see where they're understand where they're going, where they're coming from. They have to understand what it takes to react in the world. You can't yell and scream when you want things because that's not how people in the world react well to things. Child, like there's a reason that we parent them in a certain way, right? Mm -hmm. And I think everyone's parenting styles are different, and I can't say anything because again. I don't have a kid. Yeah, I was gonna say, why don't you tell us all about how to parent? Since I know everything (laughs) thus far about parenting. <laughs> now my mom, my mom has really strong opinions. My dad has really strong opinions, but they've had nine children. Yeah, I was going to say, your mom is allowed to have parenting. She's opinions. allowed to have parenting. <laughs> the funniest thing I've ever seen my mom do was uh, we were watching some TV show and this gal is having, you know, the overtly dramatic pregnancy. And my mother looks up from whatever she's doing and she goes, oh, shut up. <laughs> and I'm just like, mom, like you can say that because you've had nine children, mm-hmm. nine 
Like, I'm pretty sure one or two of us have been natural in there. I have no idea. I just know that, like, the last time I saw you in pain was when a pool table was dropped on you and you shoved it back up because my mom's built like a linebacker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was terrified of my mother growing up. My mother is awesome. But yeah. she's also terrifying as a child because she will mess you up. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> or set you straight, which is, you turned out pretty good. So. I, I hope so. I think uh, I, had, I had good parenting. Mm-hmm. And I hope to adopt a lot of what my parents did with me, but maybe change a couple little things. Well, I, here's, here's, um, I'm just going to warn you that's because I'm judgmental, but I said, I, I judged all the way up the Wahoo until my fourth child. And then I don't judge anymore <laughs> because I used to think that kids who couldn't sleep through the night, well, their parents just didn't, did, just didn't, uh, you know, discipline sleep enough. train. Yeah. And, yeah. And then the kids who were picky eaters and their, their parents had to make three meals for every night that, that they just didn't have enough, you know, stance with their children. Sit and, them down. You're going to eat this food mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. And then I had babies that didn't do any of those things. And I realized <laughs> there's absolutely no judgment. Somebody was like, just wait till you have your fourth. Then you won't judge. My mother always said it was the same after six. So whatever that means. Um, same after six. <laughs> same after six. After that, well, again, my parents are, yeah, military. Mm-hmm. Second gener- my dad's third generation military. My mom's second generation military. They're very structured people. Um, very, I mean, I grew up on a farm. They're not exactly, you know, the most cuddle in here, buddy. It's okay. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, my parents, I always knew my parents loved me. I always knew mm-hmm. my parents had my back. I also knew that as it should be, my parents would discipline me as it should be. Mm-hmm. But my also one thing my parents did, I think really was because this is a podcast about birth and sex. Yeah. Is <laughs> Go back to the birth and sex, they please. <laughs> never made it. A, a lot of religious people make sex to be out this, to be this. Don't have sex. Don't even think about it. It's mm-hmm. whatever. My dad was like, oh yeah, sex is great. Just you understand what it's for. Mm. It's for you. It has two purposes. One, to have children. I can't do that. Second is to bring a um, husband and spouse, husband and wife closer together. So as a kid, were you aware when your parents were having sex? I'm pretty sure I walked in once or twice. Oh, good. Yeah. So I was, I, there were, I had no illusions of how children were made, disillusions how children were made. It was pretty straightforward in my house. Your mom's pregnant again. And I was like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You know, it was. You it, have it, to do the math. Where are you in the birth order? I'm number one. Oh, you're, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So I've changed more so diapers get, so than you most ha- parents. <laughs> you can't really judge parenting, but you can judge diapering skills. I can't. You know, I'm my badass diaper <laughs> Like straight up, I can do the thing one-handed. I can pretty sure pretty Maybe we my should, eyes closed. We should do a video tutorial because we have video tutorials on our Perfect. site. Yeah. We should do a video of you changing a diaper You'll see my big hairy arm come down and hold the kid's legs up between my thumb and four <laughs> fingers. <laughs> right like that. My sister's actually doing the whole cloth diaper thing right now. I, my, I have four sisters who are married now. Three, sis- three sisters who are married now. One's doing the cold cloth diaper thing. That was a new experience, doing the whole button cloth diaper thing. But mm. outside of that, it's pretty. Because your mom um, did not use cloth diapers? She did not. That's a lot of diapers. It's a lot of diapers. Wow. It's a lot of diapers. My mom's a tough lady, man. So, John, I hear you have the best clitoral advice. I have great clitoral advice. So there's two things every guy should know about a woman's clitoris. If you're staring at a woman's clitoris head on, okay? And, and manage to like stay focused. And manage to stay focused. Okay, There's, stay focused. Stay focused. Don't get too excited. Calm down. Just think about There's a clitoris in front of you. Okay. Clitorises are awesome. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you go there, go to one, the one o'clock position on her clitoris. If you looked at it like a face of a clock and then you rub there steadily of the, with the same pattern. Do not vary. Oh. Guys like variation. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Women do not. not. Mm-hmm. Women want a steady pattern. So if your pattern is one, two, one, two, stick with one, two, bro. 
<laughs> if, you, if you want to do one, two, three, one, two, three, that's a little weird, but you, go, you know, you know different whatever. strokes for different folks. Right. Literally. Literally. And so you, you take that position. I recommend getting behind her. So switch that there and then use your hand to rub that position on her clitoris steadily and it will make your wife very, very happy. I would recommend presenting <laughs> this to her as an experiment for her. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just give her lots of kisses in, mm-hmm. the, in the interim and say, I just want to try something. Mm-hmm. Tell me if this feels good or to move a little bit up or down a little bit. You know, it may be 1.30 mm-hmm. on someone, maybe, you know, a little bit more towards 12 o'clock, but about one o'clock. It's, it's scientifically proven. So check it out. So what I love about our bodies is that we're very sensitive to stimulus and we have these mm-hmm. amazing organs that their only purpose is for enjoyment, yeah. pleasure. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of perversion of there is. Uh, emotions and, and sexuality. And so um, if, if a couple has a very... Um, has had a history of sexual dysfunction or the yes. wife has um, sexual abuse. sexual abuse or even the even the partner has Gunner. sexual abuse, then sometimes switching on the healthy relationship can yeah. bring up a lot of emotions that can um, be very confusing because you're like, yes. I just had this great sexual experience and now I'm like you know, lying on the bat at the bed crying mm-hmm. and then you start feeling, well, maybe I did it wrong and and so, did you ever have any experience of that or, or? I think after my wife was hurt, understanding um, for a, and I'm still working on this, probably one of the things I have the most difficulty with is um, understanding what it means really to be gentle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think being gentle is underplayed. Um, I like, you know, I want to feel somewhat powerful, for example. I like, you know, I, guys like sports where they get hit and hurt. Um, but understanding what that means to be gentle, if she's had some experience like that and she, she had a good sexual experience, but she's now crying, um, is honestly, um, understand how powerful being mm-hmm. gentle is, whether it becomes to being erotically gentle or whether it comes to just be soft, gentle with her. Um, the strongest guy I ever met. So, um, back in Nebraska where I grew up, um, there was a gentleman I met. He was a linebacker for the Seattle Seahawks massive human being. I think he's almost seven foot tall and his hands are bigger than dinner plates. Literally. He's a huge human being, but you should see him when he holds his wife's hand, when he holds his wife's hand. Now, no one's ever going to mess with this guy ever. So he doesn't have, and so I'm like someone who's like me, who's like five ten, and you know, buck 50 <laughs> is, you know, got to I'm going to have to really try hard to beat somebody else up. But when he holds his wife's hand, when his wife gets up from the seat, he stands up first and he gingerly, it's, it's like he's holding like a, a snowflake. <laughs> snowflake. And he's just, he just lightly, t- lightly picks her up. And now, mind you, behind that is enough force to stop, a, literally stop a car. Linebackers yeah. can stop a car going 25 miles an hour. Like these guys, he's, he could crush me in the palm of his hand, but how he treats his sweet wife is like... She's a little angel here. And I think there's some, there's some strength behind mm, that, that sure. we kind of lose. And I think if you can find that gentleness, she will see the strength behind it. Don't be so insecure. To me, that's masculinity. Yeah. Don't be so insecure. That's pseudo masculinity, right? When you think you have to be big and tough and beat everybody up. Yep. If you're the most secure men I've ever met, the most successful, I've met, I've met men who are multimillionaires that I work with. Um, I've look, I am very happy and very privileged to be around very, very successful people. The most successful of them treat their wives the best. Mm-hmm. And 
they are extremely secure in themselves. I'm not afraid to do X, Y, or Z because I know that I'm masculine. I don't have mm-hmm. to show this off to anybody. I can or whatever the guy want. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. I'm completely fine with that. I don't have to prove to anyone that I'm the manliest around because I know I'm plenty manly. And doesn't it come around, what goes around comes around? I mean, because oh, yeah. the way you treat your wife now, she is the best wife for you. Oh, she, her, absolutely. Her femininity then can shine through. And, oh, yeah. My wife know. doesn't have to compensate for any of my any of my failures. Mm-hmm. My wife doesn't feel like she has to, like... That's so freeing for her. Oh, yeah. It was it was hilarious. Okay, so we're in the, we're in the store. And there's this big uh, black gentleman, very good looking guy. Like, you know how like there's some people with like perfect teeth? Mm-hmm. Oh, perfect, mm-hmm. perfect teeth. <laughs> and he comes up to my wife and he's like, I hate to, I hate to bother you. And I'm, I'm hanging back because I'm grabbing pizzas. She's at the checkout. And he's like, I hate to bother you, but you are absolutely super pretty. Could I give you my number? Oh. And I'm back here smiling from ear to ear because this is hilarious. I want to see how this is going to play out. You're like, hey, wifey, my, what are you going to do? <laughs> I was like, what are you going to do, honey? What's, what's going to happen right here? And she's like, that's extremely flattering, but I'm actually mar- ha- very happily married. Not just happily married, guys. Very happily married. Very happily married. This guy married. is much more attractive than me. Okay? Okay? <laughs> I am bald as a cue ball. Okay. And she's, she's like, I am very happily married. He's like, he must be a very lucky, very lucky guy. My wife thinks I'm on the other side of the store. She has no idea where I'm at. <laughs> and she, like and she's working. like, he's a wonderful man. Ooh. And I'm just like, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I am. <laughs> like, and she, he, she was very, she, he, told, he took his car back. It was very nice. He didn't feel embarrassed. Neither did she. Yeah. And I'm, I get in the car. I was like, you know, I saw that, right? She's like, so what? She's like, the, the dude who asked you in the zone. She's, she's like, oh, yeah, you got nothing to worry about. Oh, sweet. <laughs> and I'm just like, and we, we went back home and had a lot more fun. But the idea right there, right, guys, is I'm secure in who my wife likes. Mm-hmm. I'm secure in myself. I don't have to play around for anybody else there. I'm, it's, it's not a, a lot of times in our society, we prize being hurt. Mm-hmm. We prize being yeah. a victim in some ways of our lives. For sure. I've done it. Mm-hmm. But that's not real masculinity. Mm-mm. If you want to be masculine, be confident in what you can do. So I'm pretty confident that you are, are this is your personality. You're a very, yeah. very strong and, and very kind human. But what do you think um, your healthy sexual relationship with your wife, how, has, how do you think that, is it the chicken or the egg first? Like, <laughs> was, is it your great marriage that made your sex life My wife helpful, wouldn't have married or? me if I wasn't confident and it wasn't, wouldn't marry me if I wasn't a good human being. My, I asked my wife out four times to go on one date before she said yes. She rejected me three out of those four times. And the fourth time was a pity date. <laughs> and I showed my wife for a period of time who I was yeah. and what I can do to, t- to help my wife and make our lives good. My wife believed that love isn't just found in the eyes of the other, but it's in a, a mutual goal that we have looking at that together. Mm-hmm. So I think... If I think you could come chicken or egg, I think I don't really think it matters. If you have a wonderful relationship with your spouse, awesome. Let's grow the other part, guys. If you are a confident man or you think you're a confident guy, why don't you move that confidence? Why don't you move that confidence to the bedroom? Yeah, that's what I was wondering. If that, yeah, what's the play? That's, yeah. that's an awesome. I think it only turns her on, honestly. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, really. If you're not wor- worried about what anybody else thinks and you're worried about making sure she's happy, what's wrong with that? Yeah. And, what guy, and I will and I will do my one little brag here for the whole thing is what guy doesn't want a wife whose wife is pu- pulling you to the bed instead of you pulling her to the bed? I pro- my wife probably, is that a problem you have? I'm not kidding. My <laughs> wife probably pulls me to the pulls me to the bed seventy percent of the time. Wow. Guys, if you want this more often, 
right? an easy way to solve this problem. Yes. Care awesome. about her. <laughs> yeah, that's so. awesome. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Yeah. You've been so candid, and I think that a lot of people can resonate with what you've said and that can learn a little bit more. Um, I can't wait to meet your babies. She'll be pretty cute. <laughs> let's get them here, and then yeah. let's let's do a podcast with them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll bring I'll bring little Inori down, and you'll be able to see my child, and it'll be great. And maybe next time we come through, I'll have Christine come through, and she can have. Her yeah, insights. I want her perspective. Just kidding. I'm. <laughs> She's a lot smarter than me, anyway. <laughs> No, I'm not that her perspective would negate yours, but uh, it's, 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 side. it's fun to see the, yeah, sure. the balance. So thank you very much. Thanks for having me, sir. Thanks. Please visit us at birthcircle.com, join our Facebook groups, or find us on Instagram and Pinterest. We hope you'll use our resources to support your birthing experience. And thank you to LaunchPod Media, who produces these podcasts.